0: Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Ronna Gray and Jim Brown. Hey, welcome to our show today. I'm Jim Brown and my co-host, Ronna Gray. Ronna, you had a good week and you're geared up for a lively program today, right? Always, always, Jim. Now, Rana, you have a hybrid car vehicle that you drive—the kind oh, where uh, the engine generates electricity that that can drive the car up to about thirty miles an hour, isn't it? And then above that, gasoline kicks in. Right. So it's a hybrid. That's pretty pretty cool alternative in terms of the gas guzzler, like I have. <laughs> uh, I've drive a Lexus LX, the great big Lexus, uh, and I weighed the choice recently. Because electric is becoming so prominent, so popular. But uh, I totaled my car about six months ago. I just destroyed the car and fortunately walked away with a little scratch in my knee, and that was about it. And so I consider that a, a kind of a, a shake up call, a wake up call to where I better drive a big, heavy vehicle. I better slow down. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to drive 12 hours straight as I have up till a year or so ago. I'm going to. Just go six or seven hours in a day. So I've adjusted my lifestyle, and I got a big car. And I love the car. It tells me if I start to slip out of a lane at all, it starts beeping and tells me, get back in your lane. But you know what? When I pass a gas station, it starts shaking. It starts shaking. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it's trembling. It, it, the steering wheel pulls me into the <laughs> gas station because it just is a guzzler. There's no doubt about the fact that it's a guzzler. And we've got to do something about the fact that we just can't t- take this fossil fuel and drive forever, number one. And then number two, the whole climate change argument that's going on right now. So it's a question of electric vehicles, and they're becoming popular. I've got relatives that love their electric vehicles. But I guess the question I'm raising to you and to our listeners is, uh, is electric going to solve all of our problems, particularly in the next five years or so? And uh uh, now you don't have you have not gone quite the whole distance, right? Although you've made a, a, a big leap, you've got an American car in terms of what you do. Uh, one of the things is I noticed there's no big SUVs that are electric yet. They probably will come, but uh, uh, w- what do you think, Ron? Are you uh, are you embracing electric vehicles? Do you think that'll be your next vehicle or not?
1: I am I'm moving that direction. I think the whole country is actually in this new infrastructure bipartisan infrastructure bill is going to put something like 500,000 charging stations around the country. So I do think we're going there. Whether or not it happens in the next 5 years, I think we're going there. I think the automobile manufacturers have set themselves on a course to go all electric. You know, California is going to has outlawed the sale of gas-powered cars. Uh, new gas-powered cars. They're cars—they're—they're—they're going to be all electric. We're going there. The question is, to me, we're not ready for it yet, so how does the country get ready for it? The only thing that's kept me from doing it is the lack of charging stations, and you can't be spontaneous. You've got to plot where you're going to next and make sure you don't drive too far away from a charging station.
0: No doubt about it. Well, several things. You mentioned California, and I agree with you that California. Uh, is uh, eliminating uh, uh, anything other electric. It's 2035. Now, that's uh, 13 years away. And, of course, if you buy a car in 2034, you'll drive (laughs) that for 10 years, or you can go buy a used car. You'll see a huge increase in used cars. So I think it's going to be slow actually being put into effect. Several things I look at. There are some... Tremendous needs, even in an electric car world, for petroleum products. I've read where as much as 60% of your vehicle is, uses petroleum products. The dashboard, the tires, the seats... Uh, you can go right through a whole litany. The batteries, uh, all of this, are made with petroleum products. So you don't just get away from the use of of, uh, of oil and gas uh, uh, when you because you need a certain amount, at least at this stage, to build the vehicle to actually build the car. And then you mention the charging stations. You see, people, we're a people that demand uh, convenience. You know, so we ought to have mass transit. Well, nobody wants mass transit. They want their car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're talking in Louisiana about mass transit going from uh, a bullet train going from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. I'd love that. I would ride it a lot. I'd take my grandkids. But, you know, most people are not going to use that. When you get to New Orleans, you you don't want to fly down an Uber. Ubers are sticking a gun in you in this day. <laughs> you can't trust the Uber driver anymore, uh, especially in a city like New Orleans, dysfunctional as New Orleans is. And so uh, you want your car. And, uh, and so uh, uh, as a consequence, people are slow to adapt. They want to come home and charge their car. Well, if everybody is home at night charging their car, that puts a massive pressure on the electric grid, and, and it can over, completely overwhelm the grid. So there's going to be a massive input in terms of building higher grids, more expensive grids, to handle all this electricity. I've heard some people say that, well, you'll get an incentive. It'll cost you less electricity if you charge your car during the day. But again, Americans want the convenience, and I'm not sure that's going to make a big deal to save a couple of bucks to do it at at, uh, 10 in the morning when you're at work or on the go or, you know, and having to go down and lock it in. And do I want to get on the road and make two or three stops to, to electric charge my car that may take as much as two hours? All of these are issues that have not been worked out yet. And, you know, I thought that solar would make a huge input. You've got this massive sun up there, and and there are solar energy techniques that are available, wind, but they're nothing like what we anticipated when they were talked about 10 years ago. And so uh, electric is something I hope will come about where it's convenient, where I can plug it in at my house, where I can have a big SUV. And and if and, and it ought to work, but to, it's just unrealistic to say that that the oil the uh, oil industry is dead and that uh, <laughs> we're just not going to see any future in oil because we are. And then you've got other developing nations. I mean, that are going to be you're going to have char- you know a whole ton of charging stations in Bangladesh. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're just not going to you know it's going to be slow. Into some of these less developed countries to put in charging stations, so there's a litany of problems. This sounds great, but uh, uh, it, it's just going to take a uh, some time, and not just a few years. It's going to take a good while.
1: I don't think it. I think by the time the California law kicks in, it will have pretty much happened there. You know, for one, the the oil and gas companies and the automobile manufacturers. Are not just hearing about this. They have been planning for this for decades. They know the limits better than we do of fossil fuels and the availability. So if you want to continue to exist, you have to reinvent yourself. You have to adjust. And you see, they all became energy companies. They're not, you know, oil companies anymore. There, they that was 20 years ago. They started changing their names there, but. Uh, one big factor I think that has been a hindrance is the cost of electric vehicles has been significantly higher, $10,000, $15,000 more in, in some cases for a comparable gas-powered car, which kept a lot of consumers away from it. So with the incentives, that brings the cost down. But then the more they make, the more they get out there, the electric cars are, are becoming more affordable. So I actually think this is going to be a wave. I have to disagree with you on this, Jim. I think it's going to speed up once it gets some critical mass going. It's still a little bit the odd Prius and Tesla and all that. But you're right. There's got to be an SUV. And there is now an SUV they are coming out. And trucks, you know, the truck drivers, you know, the big gas guzzling trucks. Well, they're coming out with electric trucks that have the pickup and have that So once you give the consumers what they want, then I think it'll pick up speed. And you're right about convenience. I totally agree there. Those charging stations being built, if they're not as just as available as a gas station, people aren't going to go for it.
0: No doubt about it. And and, uh, uh, so as a consequence, again, I'm not disagreeing with you that it's coming. I just think that the the hopes, the uh, the idealism says, oh, this is here just around the corner, a couple of years away. I think they're going to see them. I think my local, uh, and where am I shopping now? where am I filling up now? Uh, in North Carolina, I fill up the Exxon because they give me I take, get a little card and I get a, a 10 cent break on my gas. In Bat Rouge Murphy Oil, you Bat Rouge listeners on Airline and uh, uh, Old Hammond Highway. That's about the cheapest gas in town. I shopped this out, mm-hmm. and, for, and, and gas, gasoline is coming down. It was just ridiculous, and now it's down to about 275 a gallon and kind of where it was six months ago, and so, uh, uh, so there are things that are, are kind of balancing out on this, but lots of charging stations needed, and like I say... The petroleum products are going to be needed. You know, most people don't realize that pharmaceuticals are made uh, sometimes with petroleum products. Petroleum is a product that's used in many, many items that we don't fully understand. Women's shoes. It's made out of petroleum. You know, the heels and everything and women's shoes. And so. Uh,
1: well, you're making a very good point for Louisiana listeners, because we're we have an economy that in large part is based on the oil and gas industry here in the state. And I saw a poll the other day that something like 75 percent of people favor electric vehicles, but they're afraid that it hurts the economy of the state. And so you're right. We're not saying there's no more. We don't need oil and gas. Stop the drilling. Everyone's going to go to electric. That's not what anybody's saying. We're, no one has said, let's get away, do away with plastic. And that's very much needed. Like you said, pharmaceuticals. There's all kinds of things that your water
0: bottles that you right. <laughs> drink out of, and, and you know, and all your soda drinks and everything. That's all oil oil products. So uh, right.
1: So the fear in Louisiana that you're hurting the state in some way, or you're taking jobs away, which has always been used against the electric vehicle industry. Like let them drive them in California, but not here because we depend on oil and gas. Well, yeah, we'll still depend on oil and gas. The industry will still be there. But we're not deciding that by buying an electric car. The oil and gas companies are mapping out the future and the research of what products can be made with oil and gas. So there's no danger there to feeling guilty if you drive an electric car. I think some people do.
0: driving an electric car? I th-
1: No, I, th- I, don't, I don't want to drive it. I'd love to drive it. But it'll take jobs away from home. I mean, I think that's what they think.
0: I don't have the slightest guilt as I drive my gas-guzzling SUV. <laughs> well, you don't have
1: to feel guilt because you're creating jobs.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to be safe on the road. And so I'm giving up a little uh, of the global warming aspects of, of climate change just to protect myself. I'm an old guy, and I need to be surrounded by a big... You know, I ought to be driving a tank, quite frankly, because of my driving habits. So, uh, uh, so I hope that all balances out. You know, I was, have you been surprised? I just thought that uh, with with uh, the uh, sun and the solar. I know I have a friend, uh, Dennis, friend of mine. He put solar in his house, and he was able to produce so much and sell part what he didn't use back to the energy companies, but. Uh, I've got talked to bil- contractors. I know my son's a contractor, my nephew's a contractor, and they say people don't have a lot of interest in solar. And they say that, uh, quite frankly, it's not as as uh, it's more. It's more expensive to put it in, and uh, when you balance it all out, they just don't fool with it. And I'm just surprised that the solar, with the sun and the, and the technology and the research that I thought was going on would be much more significant in terms of generation.
1: Well, we go back to the attitude in our home state that we are an oil and gas state and that these things hurt our state. There's a belief among some people that these things hurt our state and take jobs away from people. Back when we had incentives for solar, I had several neighbors who installed solar panels and at least generated the electricity needed for their own homes. Plus, got huge, got practically free. The incentives were so good at that time. Well, the legislature did away with those; those all went away. So there. So now you got the cost of installing. But, but it, now
0: they got to stand on their own, right. which is how you want any industry to do. You don't want government to have to subsidize
1: it. But it didn't get. It didn't really get started because I think it is in some states. Some states rely on it a lot more. I've more than solar. I've always wondered why wind uh and and not just wind but the power of the Mississippi <clears> with turbines towards the mouth of the Mississippi could generate tremendous amounts of electricity. I've been to the sites where people wanted to put turbines into the river and just generate electricity, but there is always pushback from oil and gas industry leaders which trickles down to politicians who, you know, work with the oil and gas industry leaders to keep our economy strong. It's kind of like, not to jump subjects, but it's kind of like um, any kind of gun legislation. It's almost like you don't want to start down that road for fear that someone will just go too far with it.
0: Yeah, you would think the river, and up in Vidalia, Louisiana, which is across from Natchez, Mississippi, I know the former mayor, Sidney Murray, bless his soul, he's now passed away. He pushed this side there very strongly. And there is a power generation plant there in Vidalia. All of the electricity for that part of the state, the Concordia Parish, is produced through the generation. Plus, they sell a great deal of the electricity there. Now, it was a huge uh, uh, capital uh, outpour in terms of dollars to build the build it there, mm-hmm. but the city the city was able to float bonds and get it passed based on contracts uh, that so much energy would be produced, and so it made good sense. And I think you're right on where you can find a place where the river is dropping, you can kind of dam it up, and uh, you think going over towards Lafayette or down south in New Orleans, be excellent places for something like that.
1: I think it's going to take, you're right about the expense of the investment, it's going to take a public-private partnership like they're trying to do with toll roads, where these international companies in Spain and Italy come to the United States and make, there's not many U.S. companies that will make more than a 50-year investment, but some of these companies are in it for the long haul, And make ninety-nine year investments, and they build the infrastructure, and then they collect their fees off of it. And so, public entities need to partner with some people that will invest it. Because you're right, there's not many companies here that are going to say, "Oh, sure, I'm going to go build a power generating plant and, and turbines in the Mississippi River." But there's one thing I've always thought: you look at by the time the river gets down to us, they might wade across of it in the headwaters, and they might canoe in it uh, part of the way down. But by the time it gets to us, there is tremendous power in that river.
0: Oh, doubt about it. Well, that's that's something that should be explored a lot more. And I'm surprised there's not been more interest on the part of the governor and the legislature in an issue like that. You mentioned the private uh, business concept. And, you know, there was a study resolution a few years ago in the legislature to talk about letting a lot of these public services be taken over by private entities. And they're a huge outcry. We can't turn this over to those private people, make it all that money. And nobody does that. Nobody allows that. You know, the, the, the main route between Detroit and over into Ontario, Canada, is a bridge that is privately owned. It's owned by some guy who built it many, many years ago <laughs> when the public entities wouldn't do it. My daughter lives in Hood River, Oregon. And the one bridge across between Washington and Oregon is owned by a family. They own the bridge. (laughs) And it's a buck to cross over the bridge. They've had it for many, many years. They invested in it. I'm sure they borrowed and had bonds that are paid off. So these private-public partnerships work all over the country and work well. And uh, uh, it's short-sighted. And uh, we just haven't done it because someone's got to take the initiative. Right. And, you know, bless their souls, we've had some— Governors have been friends of mine when I was in the legislature and, and in public life and and seem like pretty decent people. But uh, there's no real long-range thinking out of any governor in the last 40 or 50 years, you know, of looking at things like, that. hey, let's just go ahead and right. I, I, I ask my staff to put some figures together. This makes sense. Let's go ahead and try this. And,
1: and that's, just, that's my fear with the electric vehicles. The country's going there. There's just no question they're going there. I just hope we're not behind the eight ball. We have no electrical grid. We have no power stations. We have, we don't have what it takes to sustain it. Cause I'm really, I'm right now. I'm glad I don't buy as much gas as you do. I'm glad I don't hardly have any repairs on my hybrid. Electric vehicles have even less maintenance cost. So I think there's a lot to be said and I think it's going to happen.
0: Well, we'll hope so. We'll watch with interest and, 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 uh, uh, as you say, I think it's coming. It's a question of how soon and what effect it has on sub, uh, surrounding operations, like we have you've talked about here in Louisiana. Hey, we're going to shut it down this time. I hope you found our show interesting. Got a number of good shows coming up. Uh, Ronna Gray and I, Jim Brown, are on our, do a regular podcast each week. So tune into Dateline Louisiana or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be able to listen to our podcast. We hope you'll be regulars. Hey, take have a good week. Take care. Ronna, we'll see you next week.
1: I'll be there. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Ronna, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.